Join us on today's Bible study podcast as we look to see Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees during the Feast of Booths and try to understand the Pharisees' plight. All this and a whole lot more coming at you now. Welcome once again to Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin and I'm your host as we journey through the Gospel of John. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you once again as we open God's Word and study together. It's been quite a hectic week for me and my family this week as as I'm sure it has been with many of you. However, I, I do have some great news and some very sad news to pass along to those of you who have come to know me a bit more over these past few months. The first bit of good news is that my wife's sister went into labor early Sunday morning, and by supper time, my first niece, little Aaliyah Reagan, was born. Now, I'm very excited as this is my first niece, and uh, she's a pretty little girl, weighing 7 pounds and 2 ounces, and stretching out about 20 inches long. She's already got curly black hair, and, and I think her dad's already a little worried about the boys that will be running around her before he knows it. Now the second bit of news is is much sadder as uh, my wife's grandfather has passed away on Wednesday. Now it's not an unexpected death as he had been suffering from Alzheimer's disease for some time now, but that really doesn't dampen the blow much for the family. On the upside though, we, we know that as a Christian he's now with our Lord and Savior and is more human today than he has ever been while walking on this planet. So please pray for me. For the family as we go through this loss, but also please praise God with me that uh, He is indeed faithful to His Word and that He will take us home when the time is right. Now I have to admit to you, friends, this has been quite a strange week for me. In that, in the span of about four days, we <laughs> we've seen both the joy of birth and the sorrow of death. We've gotten to see the miracle of new life, but also the curse of our sins. And it is indeed amazing how God tempers us and reminds us so much of His grace. We see the joy involved in a newborn baby and and the new life that God has put together so uniquely to make each and every one of us the way we are. We see the innocence of an infant who is totally dependent on her mother and father and, and we're reminded of how we were created to be in relation to our Heavenly Father in the same way. Yes, dependent children looking to Him but we also can see the fact that sin leads to death. It doesn't matter how good of a life we have lived or how poor of a life we have lived. The fact remains that we have all sinned, and the penalty of that sin is death. But we're also reminded that though we will die physically, though our time will come to an end here on earth, there is a way for us to have life eternal. Christ Jesus has made a way for us. He has bridged the gap between sinful man and a holy God, and it is through his death and His burial, and His resurrection, that we may have life, true life, life that is eternal and begins now. But it will also take place one day in heaven. See, now this is something that may be hard for some to grasp, and and we'll talk about this today as we see the same problem with the Pharisees here in a moment, but it's still no less true. We are sinners in need of a Savior, and that Savior is our Lord Jesus Christ, who is paid the debt for our sins with his blood. How amazing indeed. I hope you'll forgive me for my ramblings here, and and I just want to thank you for allowing me to kind of work out the things in my mind, but I hope you won't miss the point. 
we will all die someday. That's the thing about life. No one gets out alive. But there's hope. Because we have a great Savior who cares enough to die for us. Praise be to His name forever and ever. Amen. With that in mind, let's go ahead and begin tonight with a word of prayer. Our Lord and Father, we thank you so much for your grace that you would reach out to us and save us from the penalty we so deserve. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice which gives us life. Spirit, we pray that you would come alongside of us now as we open your word together and help us to the signs of a God who is righteous and holy, but also help us to see the signs of a God who is loving and good. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. I want to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 7, verse 31, if you have the ability to. I know some of you may be driving around or maybe doing something where it's probably not safe to open a Bible, but if you can, go ahead and flip with me to John chapter 7. And even though we went through verse 31 last week, I want us to go back to it again today so we can kind of pick up the context and be ready to roll on from there. So let's begin with verse 31, the summary statement of the previous section, which reads, But many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, When the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? In other words, people were saying, Hey, surely this man is the Christ, for there is no one who could do more signs than this guy, right? So what we see is that the crowd has reached a conclusion that Jesus is in fact the Christ. How is it that they believe this? What's well, on the basis of his miracles? It's his signs and wonders which make the people recognize that this is indeed the Messiah, the one who was prophesied about. Now, of course, this revelation by the crowd is going to go over real big with many of the people present at the feast, including the Pharisees. And that's exactly where verse 32 picks up, as it reads, The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Now, from this we first learn that the crowd is not outright saying that Jesus is Christ, but it's definitely the hot rumor. It is being spread under the radar a bit, but... As John describes it, it's muttering. But as these mutterings make their way back to the Pharisees, we see that they have apparently have had enough. Their response is to send officers to seize Jesus. Now we will see the results of this later on in verse 45, as the officials will come back. But for now, just suffice it to say that the Pharisees are not happy with Jesus, and they're sending officials out to seize him. Now this is a big point in the narrative of John. If we kind of step back and take a look at the broader picture, this needs to be pointed out because this is one of the first times we see when the Pharisees are deliberately sending guards to take Jesus with the sole purpose of getting rid of him. Death, as we've mentioned before, is on the horizon. The cross is in view. But now we're seeing the details being worked out in the Pharisees. So now verse 33 starts with the word, therefore. You know, this is a connecting word telling us that as a result of the Pharisees sending the temple police after him, Jesus is now going to speak. And so he proceeds to tell them in verses 33 to 34, For a little while longer I am with you. Then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me. And where I am you cannot come. Now this is truly where the heart of the action is in our passage today. So we're going to delve into this a bit more. 
Jesus begins by saying that for a little while longer, I'm with you. In other words, I will only be here with you for a short time, and that time is drawing near. Now many scholars believe that at the time he's saying this, Jesus is about six months from the cross. This is surely what is meant as Jesus tells him, Hey, I'm only here for a little bit longer, and then I'll go back to the one who sent me, the Father. As the commentators Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown note, it's as though Jesus is telling them, Your desire to rid yourself of me will be for you all too soon fulfilled. But there's more. Jesus continues that you will seek me, but you will not find me. And where I am, or where I will be, you can't come. To finish the quote from the commentators, even when you search for me at length, you won't find me. It will be too late. As another commentator, William MacDonald, notes, there will come a time when the Pharisees will need a Savior, but it would be too late. He will have gone back to heaven, but because of their wickedness and unbelief, they would not be able to meet with Jesus there. Indeed, there is something very sobering about verse 34. His message to the Pharisees is that you will seek, but you won't find. This is counter to what Jesus tells the true believer in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, and in Luke 11, verses 9 and 10, in a parallel passage, when he tells the people that when they pray, if they will seek, they will find. We seek for what we miss, and we are told to pray for that so that we shall find. But the Pharisees, who are not true believers, are directly told, When you seek me, you won't be able to find me. Verse 34 also tells them that where Jesus is, they can't come. Now again, this is in opposition to what the true believer is told numerous times in John. As Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 26, if anyone serves him, they will follow him, and they will be where he is. Again, the more popular verse in John 14, verse 3, where Jesus, in comforting disciples, tells them that he is going to build a place for them, but he'll come back, so that where he is, there they may also be. And finally, we see that this is not only a fact, but it is indeed what Jesus wants for us, as he prays, in John 17, verse 24, that those who follow him and believe in him would be with him. So what's the message that we're seeing here about the Pharisees? We see that they don't believe in Jesus. But further, we see that Jesus warns them that there will be a time, and it draws near, when your rejection will be final. You will no longer be able to find me. So what does this say for us? Well, I believe it gives us a quite sobering picture of a truth many of us don't like to hear. Fact is, we don't have forever to follow Christ. There will come a time when we will no longer be able to turn to Him, when our time has run short. Further, we see that it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the world. It doesn't matter if you know the Bible up and down. These Pharisees would have memorized most of the Bible at that point. But they still missed it. If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you will still die in your sin. And you will spend an eternity in hell. It's a result of righteous judgment. You'll spend eternity in a real place called hell. A place of torment. I don't know if I can make this any clearer than to say this. If you're thinking about following Christ, if you're considering it, if you have heard the gospel but you have not accepted him, for whatever reason that may be, just be aware that you don't know when time will run out. You don't know when it will be too late. 
please do your business with God while you still can. Don't let another day go by. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Know that His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave have both paid the penalty of your sin and given you the assurance that Christ has not only conquered death, but has given us life that we may live as children of God, heirs to His throne. As Matthew Henry wrote about verse 34, These words have a black and dark side towards those Jews that hated and persecuted Christ. They now long to be rid of him, but let them know that according to their choice so shall their doom be. They were industrious to drive him from them, and their sin shall be their punishment. He will not trouble them long, yet a little while, and he will depart from them. It is just with God to forsake those that think his presence a burden. They that are weary of Christ need no more to make them miserable than to have their wish. Let them know that they would certainly repent their choice when it was too late. How sad. How sad indeed. The very thing they sought, the very thing they wanted, is the very thing that would take away their lives. And what became of these Pharisees? What did they say as a result of this? Well, they looked to one another and, and they just asked themselves, where is he planning on going? Where is Jesus intending to go that we won't find him? Is he going to the dispersion to teach the Greeks? You see, some of the Jews had been scattered throughout the world at this point. This was known as a dispersion. So apparently, these Jews thought that maybe Jesus' mission, mission in Judea had failed. And as a result, he would he would now go and teach the Gentiles. You know, they ought often call the Greeks the Gentiles. So maybe that's what, what he's planning on doing. Maybe that's the gist of what he's saying to us. Now, just as a side note, I don't think these Pharisees had a clue of how true this would be before too long. Is just in a few short months from this time, the disciples will be going among the nations to reach all people for God. But the fact of the matter is, the Jews just don't understand. As they ask in verse 36, What's this statement Jesus is telling us? That we'll seek him and not find him, and where he is we can't go. You see, they just don't get it. They can't quite grasp what he is saying. They're obviously impressed by his words. They know he'll be doing something, but they just don't know what it is. They don't get it. And this should not be a surprise to any of us. Psalm 111 verse 10 tells us that, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and all those who practice it will have a good understanding. When we combine that with what we learned last week, that if we truly knew God, we would know Jesus, then we see that the Pharisees had all the training on the Bible in the world, but they lacked one thing. They didn't truly fear the Lord. They didn't follow him in truth. And as a result, they sought to kill the very Messiah that they taught the people was coming to save them. In the process, rejecting their only hope for salvation. Friends, I hope this gives you something to chew on, but I just want to warn you. Don't fall into the lie of the enemy. The lie that there will surely be another day to come to Christ. I can do that when I'm older. I'll just wait. You just don't know that. You can't be sure. Please, don't fall into the same trap as the Pharisees. For their problem may be the same as yours. They didn't know God. So they didn't trust in Christ as their Savior. And so they were destined for an eternity of suffering. 
don't let that happen to you. Please talk to someone today. Email me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. Get a hold of someone. Ask them how you can make Jesus your Savior and Lord. I pray that God will instill the truth and the need of His gospel in your life. And until we meet again, friends, may God bless and keep you. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcasts.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Change.